as Ruth said, is Lois, and I'm on the staff team here at KXC, and it is so lovely to be here with you this morning. Um, it's the first uh, Sunday of December, um, and the second Sunday of Advent, so it's fully legit for us to start talking about Christmas. Um, and today, we are going to be thinking about Advent, um, and thinking about what the Lord might be inviting us into in this season. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to kick off, so... Yeah, let's just still our hearts now. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that you have been speaking to us this morning. And we pray that you would continue to speak by your word, by your spirit. We just want to open our hearts to you in this moment, Jesus, to receive you. Yeah, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, So just for anybody, maybe you haven't come to church before, maybe you have come to church, but you were at a church that maybe didn't talk loads about Advent, I wanted to give you a little bit of background as to what Advent is. Um, And so to take one step back, um, Advent is part of the liturgical church calendar, a bit of a tongue twister. Um, And essentially what that is, is what the church has done is divided the whole of our calendar into different moments when we focus on different aspects of the gospel story. And if you've been at KXC for a little while, you may have heard the phrase, this phrase, the story we live in is the story that we live out. And so essentially what we have with the church calendar is the church living out this statement. Because what the church understands is that in order for us to be people who live out the gospel, we need to immerse ourselves in it. We need to live it and breathe it. We can't just think about it. So we do that in our time. And the reason that we need to do that is because actually every day of our lives, we're being told all kinds of stories about ourselves, about God and how we should be living. And when I say stories, I don't mean like fairy stories or like fiction stories. I mean like narratives about who we are. So to give you an example, um, a story you might have absorbed from your family is that you are unconditionally loved. So if you absorb that story, you're going to live in a way that lives out that you are unconditionally loved. Or maybe a story that you could absorb in terms of your workplace uh, from your boss, for example, is that you're only as good as the work that you do. So you absorb that story and then you live that out. Or from an ad campaign that your life is only going to be worth living if you have X, Y, Z gadgets. So you see what I mean by stories. And throughout the script, yes, who was that? Yes, stories. I love that. Yeah, just stories. Um, But essentially what we have in the scriptures is we have the story, the truest and biggest story. We have the story of who we are. It's the story of God's action in the world of which Jesus is the main character. And so as we think of the church calendar, what we're doing is we're saying to ourselves, remember your story. Remember who God is. Remember who you are. So today we're going to be doing that. We're going to be zooming in on Advent and thinking about what, what it is that God wants to say to us, what God might want to remind us about who God is, who we are, and how we should live. So are we ready for that? Yeah. Lovely. Okay, so to start off, the headline point in terms of Advent is it's this moment of waiting and anticipating, this moment of expecting Jesus's arrival. It's this moment of the fulfillment of the promise that God had made that he would send a saviour into the world. And so we think about all the different prophecies that were given about Jesus in the scriptures. So we think, for example, of Isaiah 22, verse 22, which talks about Jesus being the key to the house of David. 
which essentially reminds us that Jesus would be the one who would lead us home to be in full relationship with God. Or Isaiah 8 verse 8, where we read about Emmanuel, God with us, the reminder that God came to dwell with humanity. Or the prophecy in Isaiah 9 verse 6, when we read about the child who was promised, who would be wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And so we enter into this mindset of anticipation of the arrival of Jesus. But Advent isn't just about nostalgia, isn't just about looking back in that moment in time. Because Advent is actually relevant for us right here, right now, in 2022. Because once again, we find ourselves caught between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise of the arrival of Jesus, the return of Jesus. What we read about in the scriptures is that we have been assured that Jesus will return. He says, I am coming soon in Revelation. And we have the promise of the completion of the work of the kingdom, the promise of the fulfillment of the life of the kingdom, where heaven and earth become one, where there's no darkness or death or sickness, where Jesus will be fully with his people. And what we read about in the scriptures is that actually this is a done deal, but the fulfillment of it is still to come. And what I want to suggest to you this morning, and I think that actually probably we all know in our own lives, is that living in between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise can be a really challenging place for us to be. Because the waiting isn't always easy. And we live in this place of tension where we see moments of the breaking out of the kingdom. We see healing. We see people coming to faith. We see Jesus being glorified in our midst. But then we also live with the reality of unanswered prayers, of hurt, of war, a lack of reconciliation. We see that in the world, but we also see that in our own lives. And there's a place of tension But what I've been reflecting on as I've been thinking about Advent is we don't actually need to be frightened of that place of tension because our story teaches us how to live in it. It teaches us how to live in anticipation, but also hold that tension of the pain. Um, So that is what we're going to be thinking about more today. Um, And before we launch into this, I just wanted to share a story with you where I personally uh, recently was caught between the promise and the fulfillment of a promise, um, just to give you a little insight into this. Some of you have heard this story. Um, but a few months ago, I, was, I went to my friend Jessie's house for dinner, and, and I decided to pop to the toilet just before we started to eat. Um, and I actually, um, I went to the upstairs bathroom, and um, that's an irrelevant detail. But, <laughs> but um, I, as I went to the toilet, I actually had this thought, which in light of what happened was actually quite significant. I thought to myself, I don't actually need to lock the door because it's just me and Jessie in the house and she's not going to burst in. Um, but I dismissed that, locked the door, did my business, um, and then wanted to exit out of the toilet. And as I did so, I realized that I couldn't turn the lock in the key. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience before. Sometimes that happens to me, you know, like in train toilets or whatever. But I was like, Lois, just calm down. I'm sure you're just turning it the wrong way. Um, and I tried to, to calm myself. But then I realized that key was not moving. Um, and I didn't have my phone with me. I'm not one of those people who takes the phone to the toilet. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness, how um, is Jessie going to know? Um, and then I hear her come up the stairs. And Jessie says to me, Lois, did you lock the door? And I was like, yeah. She was like, there's a sign on the door saying, don't lock the door. The lock's broken. At which point I started just a little bit to panic. 
Um, but Jessie was like, it's okay, Lois, don't worry, um, I'll get you out. So she calls her brother, they engage in this conversation, um, and he talks to her about like this but- getting the butter knife. Um, she goes downstairs to get the knife to try and kind of wiggle it out. But honestly, nothing is working. Um, and we're trying all these different things, and nothing is working. And then I start to have what I can only describe as a flight response. And I sort of dash across the bathroom to the window to see if maybe I could jump out of the window. Um, But it's honestly like this big. Not even a small child could get through it. And at this point, real panic starts to set in for me. Um, My heart starts beating so fast. And I say, Jessie, I'm starting to freak out. I'm starting to freak out. And Jessie said something to me which changed my experience in the bathroom. She said to me, she's a counsellor, so she's, she's super, super calm. And she said to me, Lois, this has happened before and we always got out. Your only job is to remain calm. So I sort of backed myself to sit, sit on the side of the bath and I thought about her words and I was like, she's right, my only job is to remain calm. So I started to kind of regu- regulate my breathing and I sat down. Anyway, all that to say is that I did get out, but it all turned very dramatic. The fire brigade had to come. Yes, yes. Climb up the side of the house, come through the window, and burst me out of the toilet. Yeah, it was very, very dramatic. Very, very dramatic. Um, But I did, I was rescued. It was great. Um, But as I was thinking about admin, I was reminded of that story and I was thinking about actually that moment when I was sitting there in the bathroom and I was feeling the tension, I was feeling the pinch of waiting to be rescued. And I was thinking about the fact that we now, living in anticipation of Jesus' return, actually, as Jesse said to me, I had one job in that moment. But what is our job as we wait for the return of Jesus? How do we live in this moment of tension? And um, we are, so we're going to dive in by looking at one person from the Advent story, Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, to look at actually what God is inviting us into in this moment of waiting. Um, so I've actually asked my lovely sister to come and do the reading for us. So come on up, Rose, you can take this. Um, so this is from Luke 1, verse 26 to 38. So you can read it for us, Rose, it's going to come up on the screen. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. No, For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
Then the angel left her. Amen. Thank you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amazing. So the first thing that I wanted to draw out, thank you, Rhoda. The um, first thing that I wanted to draw out was that Mary responds with faith. That's what we see in this story, that in spite, despite the chaos that actually she's being invited into, Mary responds with faith. And I think sometimes with this story, um, it can be quite sanitized for us. We picture um, like the nativity and we lose some of the grit of actually of what is going on. But Mary was this young, poor, unmarried woman, and she was told that she was going to have a baby, which is, you know, a lot would be a lot for a teenager now. But in the context that Mary found herself in, this actually placed her in a huge moment of risk. She had the risk of, like, not being believed by the people around her. She had no idea what Joseph was going to do. But she also risked public disgrace. She risked being rejected fully by her community. And even further than that, she actually had the risk of potentially being stoned as an adulteress. So when the angel comes with this news, this isn't like softly, softly nice news. This is, could potentially be really bleak news for Mary. But the angel says to her, you are highly favoured even though this news could potentially be life-reigning news for her. And on top of that, it's physically impossible news, because Mary knows the biology. She knows that facts are facts, and actually the maths of what the angel is saying doesn't really add up. And so she asks the question, and the angel responds. And what do we learn? She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And for us, as we live in this space between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, the invitation for us is the same, to respond with faith. If we listen to what the angel says, for no word from God will ever fail. What the angel is saying is that this is the track record of the God that you serve, who never fails to keep his promises. It's almost like the angel is saying to Mary, you know the basics of biology, you know the basics of your society, but let me introduce you to the basics of God. His word never, ever fails. And even in this situation, his word will never fail. And the same invite is actually for us today. Do we truly know that our God never, ever fails? And for us, just like Mary, we may have all kinds of questions that might cause us to question, actually, is Jesus going to return? Like, is his kingdom fully going to come? The question of, like, actually, it's been a really long time since you said I'm coming soon. The question of, of when we look around the world, is it really possible that the kingdom of God can come when we see the world around us as we is? And actually, as we zoom out of our, this part of the story into our wider story, we see that the angel is fully right. We can't fast forward through our lives, but we can fast forward through the scriptures, and we see that Jesus does come. He is the saviour of the world. Mary does give birth to the saviour of the world. And also, in this Advent moment, one thing that I think is really beautiful is that the angel doesn't actually leave Mary with nothing. The angel points to what God is doing in the life of Elizabeth. And she goes to find out almost like what God is doing in in Elizabeth's life. We read in verse 39, it says, at that time, Mary got got ready and hurried. She hurries away. I actually looked it up. It's actually an 80-mile journey between them. So it wasn't that fast, but I love the idea of her just like dashing to go and find out. 
But that's crucial for us in the way as we live between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. Actually, to, we know that our faith isn't always sky high, but we have the gift of each other. We have the gift of community. We have Elizabeth's in our life when we can clock and see what God is doing, and we can be reminded of the track record of our God. Anyone who hasn't listened to Kath Carter's preach from last week, I'd really encourage you to listen to it and hear about the, the power of testimony. It's, it builds our faith when our faith is low, and we remember the God that we are dealing with. So Mary responds with faith, and the invitation for us is the same. That's the first thing. The second thing that I wanted to highlight is that um, Mary continues on in her journey. She goes to see Elizabeth, and we see that actually she responds in love. She responds in worship to God. And I'm going to read this song um, in Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55. This is what Mary sings to God. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And so we see Mary responding in love for God, Despite all that's going on, despite all the circumstances, she comes in thanksgiving to God. And we can read that, thing, that song and think, oh, that's, those are really nice words. But actually, this is a powerful and defiant act of worship. The theologian Bonhoeffer said this about Mary's song. The song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It is at once the most passionate, the wildest, and one might even say most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not gentle, tender, dreamy Mary, whom we sometimes see in paintings. This is passionate, surrendered, proud, enthusiastic Mary who speaks out here. This song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of some of our Christmas songs. And the invitation, as we are caught in between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, is the same. We're invited into worship. We're invited into intimacy and love with God, despite all of the circumstances. And a fact about this song is that it's actually been banned three times in history in Argentina, Guatemala, and India because it's been deemed to be so powerful and actually so revolutionary and potentially dangerous. This is what we see as Mary comes in worship to God in this act of intimacy. And I was talking to a friend, many of you will know her, Shah McKenzie, um, last week um, about something that she'd written in her journal six years ago when God spoke to her about something um, and um, it's taken seven years for it to come into fruition. Um, and she shared this at Seek First and she said I could share it here, so I'm going to read it to you. It says, I'm going to continue to worship because there is intimacy and a gift that I can give God that could only be given in the season of delay. And it, what really hit me was that actually that's what we're seeing in this song of Mary, that actually God will complete his work. God will do it. But we have a unique invitation to intimacy, to worship God and bring a unique gift to God in the time of the wait. 
And we see Mary, she has this crystal clear vision of who God is. She says he's her savior. She talks of the redeeming work of God and seeing it on earth as it is in heaven. We see this powerful weapon of worship. And the interesting thing, obviously, with the scriptures, we don't know what that worship sounded like. We don't know whether Mary was singing with joy, with a smile on her face, or whether it was with tears when she was bringing herself into the presence of God through gritted teeth. And we know that actually the reality of the way is that sometimes our worship looks exuberant and joyful, and sometimes it looks more like a song of lament. But the point is, we're invited into worship in the waiting. And Advent reminds us of that. It reminds us that we've been called to be a people of worship, to respond in worship. So that's the second thing. So Mary responds with faith. She responds in love, in worship to God. And finally, we see in this song that Mary responds with hope. Mary says this, For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, and all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty, has, mighty one has done great things for me. Mary says, I am blessed. I'm going to be blessed. Despite the situation that she's in, she has hope that she is going to be blessed. But she doesn't just have that hope for herself. She also has it for the world. And we see that um, this hope, this redemptive work of God, we see it in this song. It's in tangible ways. It's in God giving mercy. It's in God satisfying the hungry. And how is Mary able to have this hope in this situation? I think we have an indication in verse 55 when she says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary is putting her hope in a God who always keeps his promises, who kept his covenant to Abraham and has continued to keep his covenant throughout all generations, and she chooses to put her trust in him. And hope is absolutely pivotal for us as we exist between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. Hope was pivotal for me when I was in the bathroom waiting. The game changed when I knew that the fire brigade were on their way because I was like, I'm on my way out of here. And that's what we see, that's what we're reminded of in the Advent story, that we're invited to be people of hope despite the circumstances. And as we zoom out from this part of our story, as we zoom into the, the greater narrative of what God is doing, we see again that Jesus did come, that he was the savior of the world. And if we zoom out further, we see Jesus hanging on a tree when all of the situation feels hopeless. We see Jesus buried where it feels like all hope is lost. But our story reminds us that actually after night comes day, that after death comes resurrection, that our real hope is in Jesus because it's placed in a person. And that's actually not wishful thinking. It's a hope that's alive. We read in 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Our hope is in the one who has defeated death. He's the one that transforms our story from being hopeless to hopeful. And I was thinking about this the other day um, as um, I was thinking about the football, actually. Um, and I got a message from my housemate, Serene, who said that Ghana had won their match um, against South Korea um, and they'd beaten them 3-2, which was incredibly exciting. Obviously, all hopes of Ghana winning now are dashed, but, you know, we move. 
And, um, and I thought to myself, I really want to watch that match. And I, I watched the match, and it was such a wonderful experience watching the match, knowing the score, knowing that the score was going to be 3-2. And knowing, watching the drama, but knowing how it was going to end. And I think there's something of that, something that Jesus wants to invite us into, into this place of hope. He wants to whisper to us that we know the score. We know that he's coming back. We know that we are watching a win. His kingdom is on the horizon. Whether we feel it or not, it's coming. He will deliver on his word. We've seen it in, his, in our story that not even death can stop him. And that the ultimate needs of the world, the ultimate needs of our lives have been satisfied in Jesus. And he is going to get the job done. And also on top of that, we get to see, we get to have hope in the here and the now that actually because he said the kingdom is already here, that we will see, we will see the outbreaking of the kingdom right here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're invited as we live in between this moment of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, we're invited as we wait to be people of faith, love and hope to live in this tension knowing that on the horizon is the kingdom of God. And so, um, yeah, I've done a lot of talking, but I would just love to invite the Holy Spirit to come in this moment for us as we exist in this moment of waiting to come and meet us, to meet our needs in this place. So um, I'll invite Ruth to come up. I'd love to invite um, Steve to come up as well. Um, And we are just, we're just going to wait for a few moments. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come in this moment.